Hey, it's Nelson. And this is Monica. Welcome to the Seattle Foodie Podcast, the show where we talk about the Seattle food scene and the people and businesses behind it. We eat all the food and share our insights with you. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get to it. Hey, Monica, I'm looking at our schedule for next week, and I don't think we're meeting up. This past week might be the last time we dine indoors for maybe the rest of the year. Yeah, it's kind of disappointing, but I, I mean, I can understand where the governor's going with it. You know, for weeks, I've been seeing just spots of people here and there getting together with more than five people outside of their household. I think, you know, people are just wanting to get together with people. And that's cool. The problem is the decisions you're making are impacting our economy now. I mean, I was reading some restaurants were getting ready to reopen, waiting to hear um, about some new announcements from the governor. And based on this, they've decided to not reopen. And so mm-hmm. how long a small business can sustain this is just, it's its not very long, you guys. We're going to lose so many small businesses in, in our city. For those that don't know what we're talking about, Governor Inslee put out a press release last week saying that he's doing a rollback concerning restaurants. Restaurant guidance will now require parties to be members of the same household in order to dine indoors. Mm -hmm. That just doesn't mean family members. That also Mm -hmm. means if you're living with your boyfriend, girlfriend, or with a roommate, you guys are allowed to dine indoors. Outdoor dining and takeaway still remains the same for small parties. So you are allowed to dine with other people outside your household outdoor. If you're looking for an outdoor patio or to dine with just a few group of friends, maybe one or two people, maybe look outside and see if they have a patio available. Yeah. And, you know, the city is trying to loosen up some rules. Like I heard there was something going on in Pioneer Square where they might let some businesses set up outside, sort of like what they do in Edmonds, where Edmonds has a shutdown street and restaurants can extend their outdoor seating into the area so that they can get more. But, you know, that's just a small group of businesses. Let's just be real. Not every place can have a patio. And even if they could in front of their business on the street, that's just a few tables. So this is really harmful and and a real setback for for folks. It is. We got to get our numbers down. We just got to get those numbers down so we can continue to open up again and maybe hopefully more properly this time around. The good news is it's the summertime, so you'll be able to enjoy things outdoors or go out to parks and eat and still grab takeout. So that's the good news. Mm -hmm. That's the good news. So get out there and support any way you can. All right. Welcome to the show, everyone. This is episode 98 of the Seattle Foodie Podcast. Monica, we're almost at show 100. I have no idea what we're going to do for that show. Maybe Mm -hmm. we'll just do a a whole hour of dead air. That sounds good. What what do you think? (laughs) Yeah, we could do dead air. (laughs) (laughs) A moment of silence, 100 minutes of silence. (laughs) For no indoor dining. Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. We'll have to think about that one. Well, we had a fun week. Monica and I actually had lunch two days in a row, which was fun. Like I said, this might be the last times that we might be able to go out and dine in together. Maybe I'm sure we're going to go out and eat outside and enjoy the patio for a little bit. Yeah, we have two places that we'll talk about. And then also we did some eating as well outside of that. And let's get the show started. All right, Nelson, where's the first place we ate together? For sure. Monica, like I mentioned, we don't have anything currently planned as of this next week. So this might be those last two times. 
Wednesday, we had lunch at Kinlan Thai Night Bites out in Fremont. Sorry, Monica, because I think you found another regular spot for you to get Thai food mm-hmm. other than Sissy K. And I was like, what? 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 I was so amazed by this. I was like, holy cow. I was not prepared for this. I didn't prepare any notes or for my post speech. I didn't I didn't do anything like that. But <laughs> Kinlan Thai Night Bites just recently changed their hours. They only opened for dinner pre-COVID, but now 11.30 a.m. to 10 p.m. daily, you can now get takeout for lunch and also do dine-in with people of the same household in the daytime. This is awesome. For me, this is the third time I've been here and we ordered all the dishes I've never eaten before. Thank you for doing that, Monica. (laughs) I've ordered the cow soy many times, their noodle boat soup. That's really good too as well. But thank you for indulging in me. And uh, some of the dishes we included, the breadcrumb shrimp cakes, which we really loved. The multicolored rice dumplings with pork. You wanted to order the duck larb salad and I'm so glad we did that. And also the two-in-one pork rice. I hope you come hungry, guys, because if you get that two-in-one pork rice, it will make you so full and you'll still have so much leftovers to take with you. It's a big, big dish. And they also added some new menu items since the last time I dined there. It's called Popular Night Market Dishes. So if you've been to Kinlan Thai Night Bites before, you'll want to come back for those new dishes. We got the stir-fry crispy pork belly with Chinese broccoli. And then they also gave us the mango and sweet sticky rice dessert. Oh, love those mangoes. Monica, we definitely sampled multiple delicious plates. What do you think? We did. And, uh, you know, Nelson, you eat with me a lot. So you know that I am pretty particular in, in my taste and I'm not always the most enthusiastic about everything that I eat. But I have to say that pretty much every dish that came out tasted really good. And you're right. I could see myself eating there multiple times and that, you know, I go to CCK like about once a week. I got to tell you, Kinlan is putting out some great food. What I tasted was good. And I want to go back to try more of their food. Which is totally fine because Kinlan is more Northern Thai style, Mm -hmm. whereas Sissy K is what traditional Southern Thai where you can get like your pot ties and your crispy chickens and things like that. Yeah, Sissy K is traditional, but then they have uh, twisted menu items, right? Some more modern takes on some traditional dishes. Yeah, Kinlan Thai. I loved it. Like I said, this was probably the third time I've been there. So, you know, I'm a fan. I don't go to places I don't like multiple times. <laughs> yeah. Third time Nelson's been there, but first time he's taken me. What? Oh. Oops. <laughs> oops, there it is. <laughs> it's like DVDs, Monica, if people still bought DVDs. I used to buy a lot of DVDs, but I was like, man, why would why do I buy these? Because I only watch these movies maybe one more time. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't put it on and watch it on the regular, unlike Armageddon, where I watch like 20 time times. <laughs> <laughs> what's the point of getting shanghai noon if i'm only just gonna watch that for jackie chan once so uh, you know it's not gonna be like that okay <laughs> <laughs> okay i don't know if i get that analogy but i'll just i'm just nodding my head okay <laughs> okay cool story bro <laughs> <laughs> all right monica and then we went to another place the next day actually you came out to the east side which i'm really happy because right you, you yeah. hurt my feelings, though, because I, I've i been out more to the east side in the last two years than I have the whole time I've lived in Seattle. <laughs> but you went to the east side in a parking lot, Monica. <laughs> tell us about, before you tell us about this spot, this next spot, tell us about your ventures in parking lots, because I was like so bewildered by this whole thing. So... 
I have to involve <laughs> Nelson when he wants to make fun of me because he's always such a good sport when I make fun of him. So guys, I live and work in Seattle, so I'm a Seattle foodie. So when I go <laughs> to the east side, there are a lot of things that are confusing to me, like free parking and not just street parking, but garages. So I always get confused whenever I come to the east side, when I get into downtown Bellevue about which garages go where. So I parked in a garage, which I thought was near Wild Ginger, which it was. But then when I got out of my car, I got lost and it took me a while to find my way out because I didn't want to ride the elevator. Long story short, I'm afraid of elevators. I'm afraid of escalators and slightly <laughs> less scared of stairs. But I found my way out and Nelson was so confused waiting for me. Um, turns out I parked in the wrong parking lot. So it was not the parking lot for a while, Ginger. But luckily in Bellevue, it doesn't really matter. It's all kind of free. So anyway, that's my parking lot story. <laughs> Monica, they do color code the parking lot. P3 is red. P2 is blue. Before COVID, they used to have because we're so bougie in Bellevue, these sticker tabs that you can like tear off and keep in your pocket in case you forget where you are. Yeah. <laughs> it's a reminder. You parked in P3. <laughs> I know. I got it. I got it. Fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Is there a, like a phobia term for a fear of elevators, escalators, and stairs? I'm not sure. And I wasn't always afraid of those things. I first became afraid of escalators from riding uh, at DuPont Circle in Washington, D.C. Uh, about one o'clock in the morning is extremely steep and there was no one. And it's going down like four mm. flights. So don't know. OK, <laughs> just, okay. just curious. OK, back to the show. <laughs> so as Nelson said, I did come out to the east side for lunch at Wild Ginger and Nelson and I dined indoors and it was very socially distant. We had a nice big table and we had a feast and we started with refreshing mango palmers. I loved it. I just love mangoes this time of year and any sort of mango drinks. And so do you, Nelson, because you had one also. Yes, along with my dun dun dun. There's it's a twist. I actually had alcohol and Monica did it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I had a plum wine, which was very delicious. And I know, guys. I, I just had to try it. Right. I know you all think I drink all the time, but I you know, usually around Nelson I don't too much. Too much, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Friend of the podcast, Steph for also recommended that we try the seven element soup. And honestly, it was a little bit warm. So I wasn't feeling soup, but I was really glad that we got it. And it was full of like seven contrasting flavors. And that's why it's called seven element soup. And to round out the appetizers, we had chicken pot stickers and Siam lettuce cups. Always really great to have some lettuce around. So that was my vegetables for the week. Thank you, Nelson, for always making that possible. I'm always looking out for you to eat healthy, Monica. Always. <laughs> Right. And then we also have Szechuan green beans, Nam's lamb chops, Hanoi tuna, and seven flavor beef. So my favorite was the lamb chops. They were seasoned very well and super tender. You know, I just go at it like I grab the bone and bite them. There is no knife or fork action. It's just eating off the bone. But Nelson, what were your favorites? For me, probably the Hanoi tuna uh, cut perfectly thin, sashimi grade. Very delicious. I also really loved the seven element soup. It was like a green curry with just tons of stuff inside it. I mm. think that was my favorite. And I'm glad we, we got that. You know, the chicken pot stickers, Monica. <laughs> I, that, that surprised me. I thought, you know, pot stickers are pot stickers, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I really loved those perfectly fried. I really enjoyed those. Those are my favorite. 
I agree with you about the pot stickers. So guys, what we're talking about is, you know, when you get pot stickers and everything's sort of ground up and you can't really identify them because the, the grind is so fine. These were ground up a little coarser so you could actually identify the ingredients and it really gave a different mouthfeel. So it was definitely one of those sleeper moments where it's like, ooh, this is really good. So if you're thinking about eating at Well Ginger Bellevue, they are open Monday through Friday from 12 p.m. to 9 p.m. and on the weekends from 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. You can also check out Wild Ginger McKinsey in South Lake Union. And also, if you need to call in an order for takeout, everybody does that. Both the Wild Gingers do that. And if you need to do delivery, which, you know, we get that some people need to. But remember, when you do that, the restaurant loses out on some of the money. But if you need to do that in Bellevue, uh, you should use Chow Bus. And we always ask restaurants who they prefer to work with. Mm -hmm. Monica, I, when we were dining in, your back was against it. There were multiple people that came in for pickup. So mm -hmm. it's good to see that they're back and doing lunch and dinner again for takeout. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So Nelson, what else did you eat when we weren't dining together? <laughs> Since I was still in Fremont after Kinlin Thai Night Bites, I needed to replenish my chocolate surplus. I'm out of chocolate. Hmm. So when you're in Fremont, you have to absolutely go to Theo Chocolate. Monica influenced me again. I picked up a Big Daddy. For my air quotes niece, I, <laughs> she ate a half, so I ate the other two and a half. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, <laughs> two and a half. <laughs> Yum. I got several milk and dark chocolate bars. They had on sale a My Cherry Baby chocolate bars, which were $2 a piece, so I grabbed a couple of those. The dark chocolate peanut butter cups and the specials root beer barrel and cinnamon horchata. Mm-hmm. Friday, I drove out to West Seattle to meet up with friends of the podcast, What Jesse Eats and Mr. Frankstagram. And I got to meet What Jesse Eats' new dog, Anya. Monica, I'm not sure if you're aware, but the West Seattle Bridge is closed. Breaking news. Thus, I had to take a very long detour <laughs> off the beaten path. I left real early to compensate for traffic. The detour took me all the way to White Center. So I stopped by Fresh Flowers because it was on the way. And I picked up some macarons and tea cookies for what Jessie eats because she invited me over. I also grabbed an early meal at Lady J, which is also Mr. Frankstagram and what Jessie eats favorite Sunday plotting area. <laughs> I guess I would call it. They mm. love going there as they were today. They have daily specials. And on Friday, they do a smoked New York strip sirloin and three sides. I had mm. to try it because I could never say no to steak, Monica. Never say no to steak. The sides, though, I think it upended the steak, to be honest. Watermelon tomato salad with a Mama Little's pepper puree. Mm. <laughs> I ate it and kind of snorted a little bit, and I started coughing, and I got a little conscious. <laughs> I was just like, oh, no, no, I'm not sick. I'm not sick. It's just really spicy. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> Quickly pouring, quickly pouring the water and like trying to drink it. Very mm. good. I loved it. I thought it was a very, very good twist for the salad. They mm. had fried shishito peppers. Yukon gold potato salad was also amazing. I never say no to potato salad when it's made really well. As for my second meal in West Seattle, I had two dinners, Monica, because I don't know when I'm going to come back to the island, <laughs> a.k.a. The West island. Seattle. <laughs> okay, no, that's fair. <laughs> I stopped by Tijuana Tacos because it's been long overdue. Tijuana Tacos is housed in a commercial kitchen with a walk-up window that houses seven other micro-business eateries. 
<laughs> there's like eight different doorbells that you ring up <laughs> you ring so that they buzz because there's one window it's it's very interesting I got personally a Seattle burrito with carnitas, a.k.a. I call it the works burrito because it has everything. Guacamole, rice, salsa, salad, beans, and some meat thrown in there. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's a lot. And they also threw in a chorizo breakfast burrito. They said, like, you guys, you haven't came in over a year. Well, I haven't came in over a year because I haven't I haven't known you guys for a whole year. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they mixed you up with me. <laughs> I'm the one who's known them for over a year. <laughs> I just discovered them back in March. So, right. okay. But it feels like a year. It's since then, it feels like a year. <laughs> but their breakfast burrito, I'm so glad. They only serve this on Saturdays and Sundays. They hooked me up, Monica. Oh my gosh. Chorizo. I love chorizo. It's, it's probably one of my favorite meats of choice. Is mm-hmm. I loved it with the eggs. Oh, I want to go back and get that. I will I will wake up at five in the morning just to drive out when they open at eight or whatever they open in the morning just to just to get the breakfast burrito next You're time. You're not going to do that. <laughs> That's early. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I just can't wait for them to get back to the market. That's what I'm just trying to say. I know. Me too. So first of all, I do know the West Seattle Bridge is closed because I live in Seattle. <laughs> I live in Seattle. And also you notice that I haven't been to West Seattle in a long time. So that's actually the reason. I have a lot of reasons to go to West Seattle and I haven't. And that's why. <laughs> and, you know, I am thinking about White Center though, because there's a lot going on in White Center. I think you hit up some really great businesses. So it sounds like a pretty full day, Nelson. Yeah, it was good. I'm really glad I got to see Tijuana Tacos. I haven't seen them in a while. Mm-hmm. Lady J. I love their name because it's named after a G.I. Joe character. Mm-hmm. It's a great restaurant. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I, I was trying to hit up more places, but I, I couldn't eat anymore. I was, I'm getting old. It just doesn't work for me, my stomach. <laughs> right. I was like, wait, you went for a steak dinner before you met Jesse? Yes, yes, I did. Yes, like, I what did. is happening right now? <laughs> <laughs> they told me to make Lady J's Instagram is like, make reservations. I'm like, oh my gosh, they must be really full. All they have is a 4 p.m. reservation. Okay, 4 p.m. it is. <laughs> Senior Citizen Nelson, activate. Let's go eat dinner. <laughs> That's true. The early bird special. There you go. There you go. All right, Monica. So what did you end up eating? Well, aside from what we ate when we were together, I was really craving clam dip last week. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I can only find one brand in the stores and it's not that great. And so I decided to try to make my own. So it was my first try and I'm working on finalizing the recipe later this week. But um, what I loved about it is that it hangs onto the chip like it should. I put actual chunks of clams in it and I have a little bit of non-traditional ingredients in there to add that flavor profile that I like. So when I do perfect it, I actually think I'm going to post that on my blog just because, you know, I like it a lot. So yeah, clam dip. We just got this huge bag of ruffles from Costco and I didn't know what to do with them. It's like, we need clam dip. So do you like clam dip? I do. I really enjoy a clam dip. I ha- always buy it store-bought. I- I've never made it before, but maybe challenge accepted. I might have to buy three pounds of crab, which will right. cost me probably $65, but it'll be worth it. <laughs> no, clam dip, not crab dip. Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. $65 for clams. Yes, Monica. That is that is how much that is how I do up clam dip. Okay. 
and I also do crab dip. I'm going to do my $65 worth of clam just to prove you wrong. Not to prove you wrong, just to be really stubborn and say like, yes, this is how I do my clam dip. $65 worth of clams. <laughs> All right. I also, you know, this time of year, I have a bunch of overripe bananas and I don't like to run the oven because it's so mm-hmm. hot. So I actually just made banana pancakes for my family and they turned out really well. I'm thinking I want to add some sort of smoky flavor to it. And so I'm going to keep experimenting. That recipe might end up on my blog too, just because I'm creating stuff recently. So I have bananas at home and I was like hoping that I would have overripe bananas as mm-hmm. well, but I eat them too fast. That I don't have them because I've been <laughs> wanting to make banana walnut bread. Mm-hmm. I don't want to make banana walnut bread. I've been trying not to, but <laughs> stupid COVID has been so long that it kept us in the house that it's made me make banana walnut bread. Soon enough, I'm probably going to have a sourdough starter, which I said I would never right. ever do in my life. Trendsetter Nelson yes. Lau is uh, gonna <laughs> gonna kick off the second round of influencing around banana <laughs> walnut bread and four uh, months later, yeah, sourdough starters. <laughs> There's like phases of, of quarantine, right? You're you're gonna kick it off again. Don't forget to name your starter. I'm trying not to go to Coffee Holic this whole year because everybody else is going to Coffee Holic. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's a wonderful product because everybody is going back over and over again. The trendsetter in me is going to be next year. I was like, I just discovered this new spot. It's called Coffee Holic. <laughs> Tell people about that. Have you? Oh, have you just discovered Mangosteen Wings too? <laughs> yes. yes. Amazing. People are always asking me, "Have you tried these wings? Mango something?" I'm all seriously. Yeah. <laughs> seriously. <laughs> okay. Tune into episode eight where we yeah, interview right. the owner of Mangosteen, but we just discovered it just yes last month. I know. <laughs> Okay, so other takeaway this week did include my weekly visit to Mangosteen. I also stopped by Cineholic and my friends at Seattle Biscuit Company. For folks who haven't been there or haven't been watching me for a while, over the years, Seattle Biscuit Company, they've gained so much popularity and their storefront is often standing room only on the weekends. So I've known owner Sam Thompson since he opened the truck back in 2012. It's been eight years. We were just wow. like chatting on Instagram that we can't believe it's been that long. That's how long I've known him. And currently their dining room is closed, but you can order online and pick up on their patio. It's a really easy process. I got one of my favorites, which is the Varner, and it's full of egg, Beecher's flagship, Yuli's andouille sausage, and house-made peach habanero jam. Sam does a really good job using seasonal ingredients to make things like jam. And he makes this really great pumpkin butter during the fall. Like my brother's in love with it. I always try to get a lot of it if I can. Oh, that sounds delicious. I've yeah. I've seen it. I passed by it along with those other rows of restaurants in that whole Freelard area. Belmont. No, no, <laughs> I've just I've given up on that because I've asked so many people. And it's like that's the dumbest idea you ever ever came. <laughs> Nelson, I found somebody else that calls it that. Oh, really? Oh, right. Oh, it's resurrected like a phoenix. <laughs> I'm just coming back out. Oh, yeah. I was looking up ST Hooligans, and I haven't been Uh to eat at their restaurant yet. Friend of a friend, though. But I was looking Uh at their menu, and they have a Belmont item on there. Oh, okay. Never mind. I'm still pushing it. Right. Still going to push it through. Yes. Okay, Nelson, (laughs) we have an interview today. Who are we talking to? Yes, yes, yes. Our interview today is with Amy Chen Lozano, otherwise known as Insatiably Epicurious. Amy is a home recipe developer, a foodie, and an active Seattle community member. I've actually known Amy since college through mutual friends, and I got excited to see her account when I first joined Instagram, and I was like, I know her. It's fun. We talked about everything from the importance of supporting minorities in the Seattle food community 
how to introduce kids to eating more diverse foods, grocery shopping in Asian grocery markets, and of course, cooking at home. Here's our interview with Insatiably Epicurious, Amy Chen Lozano. Hey everyone, today I am with Amy Chen Lozano, otherwise known as Insatiably Epicurious on Instagram as well as Facebook. I've known Amy for over, I don't want to date ourselves, for over 20 <laughs> years now. We've known each other through mutual friends, your best friends, Stacy and Miley. You've known them for ages and I met them through college yeah. and then also another mutual friend, Quinn. So I've known you and then I've been so excited when I saw you on Instagram. I was like, I think I know her. <laughs> I was like, I know this person. It's good to hear from you. How are you doing, Amy? I'm good. Just kind of getting through the pandemic here. And I mean, you know, we're getting through it. And I mean, it's just, it's boredom, mostly. Yeah. It's boredom. And then it's, you know, everybody being trapped in the house together. Food-wise, we are eating so well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's all you can do, right? You stay home, you cook, you eat, and that's pretty much about it. That's a good transition because I wanted to talk you about you're a phenomenal chef or cook at home and that's why i wanted to have you on and also you're a seattleite through and through because i'm also born here born and raised here too as well so i just want to talk to you about we'll talk about that later okay but how did you get started? Like, how did you learn how to cook? And then how did you end up starting to put all your recipes and everything online? So I was a, like a lot of first generation immigrant kids where you're just a latchkey kid, you know, mm -hmm. yep. you're at home all the time. And I wasn't interested in eating cookies or whatever. Or something. When I came home, I went through a phase where I was eating a lot. I mean, to the point where I and I was always so skinny too mm -hmm. my mom literally took me into the doctor at least a dozen times to test for worms because oh. she was like there is no way you're eating so much and you're just not growing my after school snack was a five egg omelet along <laughs> with like sauteed beef like a pound of it or something uh-huh um, but so that's kind of how I got started was I started asking my mom like there's any way she can teach me kind of some things because I mean obviously my mom and my dad were both busy they only had so much time so my mom didn't really have that much time to cook me extra stuff or even be home so she would teach me eggs was my first lesson mm -hmm. I did omelets I mean I did fried eggs I did every kind of eggs I mean I inhaled so much cholesterol when I was 10 <laughs> um, but like that's how I started with eggs and then it was slowly kind of learning about sauteing what kind of combination of seasonings you use for marinating meat for sauteing meat along with it mm -hmm. and then from there then my mom started teaching me about okay if you want to make like a simple soup noodle or something you know this is kind of how you start you start with your chicken broth and then you add this add this and just kind of start playing around that's a that's amazing because i think the first time i ever learned how to cook is actually by my friend's house when I was mm -hmm. probably the same age, like 10. Yeah. And he's like, let's make scrambled eggs. I've yeah. never made, I've never cooked ever <laughs> in my life. And so I learned how to make scrambled eggs. That's yeah. really awesome. Because you have original recipes. If you go onto your like Facebook page, I look through your recipes. It's like, mm -hmm. how, how long does it take to develop those? Not that long, depending on what I'm working on. I mean, some of them are original. Some of them are more of just I tasted something somewhere mm -hmm. or someone told me about something and it sounded really interesting. And so I just started playing around to figure out like my take on it. One example I'll give you. I haven't posted this recipe. I'm going to post it probably this year. <laughs> but <laughs> one of the recipes is that from that Netflix show, Street Food, right? 
Yeah, like the I first saw that. episode was that amazing Thai lady. I mean, she's like in her 70s or 80s or something, and she makes mm-hmm. this incredible crab omelet. The way that she makes it different from everyone else is she's got a whole pound of crab that's stuffed into a rolled omelet that she deep fries. So obviously, I've never had hers. I don't know how it compares. I'm just looking at how she's doing it and just Google other ideas from what people are doing and then I started doing it at home. That's amazing. And I actually used, I think it was the, the nambe, I think you, uh-huh. you, you posted. And mm-hmm. I was like, I need to make that. So I looked at your recipe. And it's, I'm just amazed by how you can just look at that and then create it from that. It's, I'm so type A where I have to like, I need the recipe and I have to like <laughs> follow the recipe to a T. It's very impressive. And I, I just love looking through everything that you make because you make you. everything. You're an awesome mom and wife and you cook a lot for your family. Can you help me? Because my nieces, all they <laughs> wanted to eat is like cheese pizza and cheeseburgers with no pickles, just ketchup and cheese. How do you get your kids, for all of our followers that have a family, how do you get your kids to eat such diverse foods? Honestly, my kids, and this seems to be kind of the trend with a lot of people's, I wouldn't say everybody. I know, God forbid, you're a foodie and then you've got the pickiest child in the world. You know, that's our worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah. but, I, but I do know that like for the most part, kids for some reason they are just very focused on whatever it is that mom's eating all three of my kids were the exact same way like they didn't care about whether or not what they had looked exactly the same as mine they wanted to to get into what I was eating my mom had always lectured me about it saying that kids especially younger kids they need blander food and they shouldn't have so much variety but mm-hmm. it's just it's so boring and I hate yeah. the idea <laughs> of cooking separate meals especially Especially when they're not even babies anymore, when they're toddlers and they chew and they want to explore. Otherwise, that's just a really bad habit to start and creates more unnecessary work where everybody has a separate meal. I do know, though, that a lot of times kids, they kind of just kind of also feed off of your attitude, too. If you keep pushing at them, they'll resist. If the parent tends to not really be into certain foods, then they'll just kind of mimic them the same way too. Last week I made gejang, which was is which is a Korean marinated raw blue crab. And my daughter, she's never had it before. She does love seafood, but she's kind of been going through this phase on and off. Like I said, we're boring and we're getting on each other's nerves in the house, right? right. And so like, you know, every time lately I've been asking her, oh, do you want to try this? Do you want to try this? And it's always, no, I don't want it. I want to do this. I want to do that. <laughs> right. But like yesterday, yeah. she saw me really going through this and I was just ignoring her. And she kept asking, what's that? What's in it? What does it taste like? <laughs> you know? And then before yeah. I know it, then she's starting to fight me for it too. So sometimes it, it depends on, you know, your kid's age and kind of like, I would say their attitude at the mm-hmm. moment too. Every kid is different. Every kid changes. My oldest, he was obsessed with fish. When he was little, I would spend a small fortune every week buying him <laughs> sea bass. I mean, I'm yeah. my kid. You know, sea bass is expensive. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden he turned three, no seafood, refused to touch seafood. Mm-hmm. And now he's 14 and it's only been the last couple of years that I got him back into shrimp. Okay. So things change, kids change, who knows? Yeah. Just gotta give them time. 
I'm glad there's still hope for my nieces. <laughs> there's definitely still hope. And you know, honestly, sometimes it's just, sometimes it's like they're friends. One of my daughter's best friends, her mom does, I think she likes Thai food and tacos when she's doing takeout. And that's mm-hmm. pretty much about it. She's never been to dim sum. And I mean, living in Seattle, that's a crying shame. We have so much diverse and delicious options here. One day I just took a small group of her little friends after school and we went out for dim sum. I didn't realize she went home and raved about it to her mom. Oh, that's awesome. It turns out her mom doesn't like Chinese food. Uh-huh. I, I don't know what kind she's had because there's so many kinds, but she she's never been to dim sum either. So next thing I know, I'm organizing like a whole dim sum party with the girls and their families. A lot of kids will or won't eat. just depends on the attitude too and what they see with their friends if they decide, oh, well, that's so cool. I think that's awesome. That's good that you mentioned dim sum because if you guys aren't familiar with Amy's Instagram, she does a lot of stories. First, it started with parenting, and then it moved on to COVID. And then now we're talking about the Black Lives Matter movement, civil injustice, as well as minority-owned businesses. I just want to take a little time to talk about and have a little discussion. Why is it so important to support local and minority-owned businesses? These businesses are the backbone of our community. Anybody who follows me or where we're in the same Facebook group or foodie group or something. And Nelson, I know you've heard this before, like take Musam, for mm-hmm. example. They, yeah. they crowdfunded last March for yep. a brick and mortar location. And I believe the goal was 75000 And then the yeah. final number well exceeded that goal. I remember that because I was watching it. I was like, yep. oh, no, they're going to be short. I was like, yeah. I kept donating money. And then yeah. all of a sudden, it just like $30,000. In one day, it was amazing. They reached over, I think, like, close to like 100,000. Right. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. And that's the thing is that they opened that way. It was just amazing to see that when COVID hit, which was not long after they opened, they really gave back to the community. I mean, they were just really there. Oh, they closed for about a week, you know, in March. They reopened as a community kitchen. Every single day, they prepared meal boxes for anybody in the community to pick up. Our elementary school and middle school are three blocks within each other but those two serve as main sites for a lot of families in the beacon hill and georgetown for families in need and so every day our ptsa volunteers were picking up meals just in the course of a few months we distributed probably hundreds of meals just thanks to musa mm-hmm. The silver lining behind this whole pandemic and COVID is that you see a lot of, especially businesses around the Chinatown and International District area, they're donating as well and doing that. And again, I think one of the good things is that I'm seeing a lot of Instagram pages that I would not notice from like, for example, like Ho Ho Seafood or Purple Dot or 663 Bistro even has like an Instagram page. So I think those have came up because they're trying to find out other ways or other avenues to promote themselves. And also I'm seeing a lot of different generations because their daughters or or sons are like creating those pages and also helping out. You see it on like the Facebook page, the support ID Facebook page Mm -hmm. about their kids not because they don't know personally how to use Facebook and do messaging because it's been so long that their kids are like posting is like, hey, come meet me to Harbor City because we're delivering right now. Things like that. And they're the kids are the delivery. So I think that's one of the silver linings behind all of that. It's all hands on deck time. And I mean, (laughs) it's just one of those things it's when you are a child of an immigrant it's a family business it Mm -hmm. it is never just mom and dad it is always a family business maybe they weren't so involved before but when the time needs everybody has to pitch in 
I totally agree. Let's talk about a couple of things in terms of Seattle. Like I said, you're born and raised here. Could you not, tell us? Actually, I'm not. Oh, you're not born and raised? I thought you I, were. I was raised. I was not born here. I came oh. here when I was four. Okay, you were raised in Seattle. Mm -hmm. What are some of your places to get groceries in terms of like Asian markets and then as well as favorite restaurants? Tell me about those. So the places I hit every single time is Lamb's. They, uh -huh. they have almost everything that I need. Wajimaya, obviously, if I'm ever craving anything in the sashimi cat category. Um, yeah. And then there's Bali, where it's the closest place for Filipino items. And then Costco. Those are my big okay. four. And then, <laughs> I mean, I've got little secret ones here and there that I go to for other things, but those are my big four that I go to. Have you been to the new Lambs one in the South Center? I have. I love that they have a new location, but my challenge is that I hate going to a new place and I'm not familiar with the layout and then I have to refind everything again and it takes up so much of my time because I can I stop love looking at everything. <laughs> Because I'm afraid I'm going to miss something, but then it's, yeah. it throws me off because it's like, okay, where, where is what that I need? <laughs> but I love that they have the location down there. I think it's great. Any favorite spots you and your kids have been eating at for the past couple months? Home. It's just home. home. It's just home. <laughs> I mean, it's like when we go out to just pick up something, obviously it's whatever they're craving. I'm not going to be able to make a pizza in a wood fire oven or something, you know, so right. we'll pick up those things that I don't really make or can't make the same way at home. Yeah, that's pretty much about it. I mean, yeah. it's one that I really, really have been wanting to go get, which is Jewel and yeah. the Carby steak. I've had it once and it was fantastic, but that bridge, that traffic is so <laughs> hard to navigate. It is. I totally agree. But do you know one thing they do? I think they're doing some modified because they always do like a themed buffet at Jewel, whether it's buffet. Yeah. Yeah, their brunch buffet. But I think they modified it some way. They can still do it. And there's outdoor seating too as well. So. so I will tell you that Jewel is the one place I always recommend to people coming in and looking for a unique experience inside Seattle because I have never seen another place that has a rotating world menu for their brunch uh -huh. buffet the only other restaurant that i see that has a sort of rotating world menu is new in capitol yeah. hill and i just find that so amazing and innovative because they do it and not only do they do it they do it well yeah absolutely again you got to support local yeah amy i have two more questions for you sure. I, one thing i forgot to ask you as a home chef can you tell some of our listeners what are some essential things that you need to have in your kitchen a good fish sauce. Mm -hmm. uh, my favorite one is Mega Chef. And I know everybody's got their own. For me, Mega Chef, when I taste it, when you taste that and you compare it to some of the other ones, it's not even really even a price difference because, you know, fish sauce does not get that expensive. You can taste that it just tastes cleaner. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, we go through so much of it between, you know, Filipino, Chinese, and Vietnamese food that I cook. I mean, I put that fish sauce in everything. I make pasta with it, and I put fish sauce in there. A good fish sauce, a good olive oil. I've got a bunch of knife, but honestly, my favorite knife is the cheap one I got for, I think, $9 at Ranch 99. That's my favorite <laughs> knife. Um, a good pair of kitchen shears, a good frying pan, a cast iron skillet, and fresh herbs. I love fresh herbs. Spring and summer, the favorite part of this time of year that I look forward to is the fact that I'm a terrible gardener. I have no idea what I'm doing, but <laughs> I, but the very least I can do is I can do herbs. 
that's perfect. So simple. That's it. <laughs> I, that's okay. The only thing I grew this this whole four months is is uh, green onions. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love how simple it is, Amy. You don't have to go out and go to Amazon or Macy's Home and purchase a bunch of kitchen tools or anything like that. You just need that simple stuff. I think that's that's awesome. Absolutely. Um, being a chef, Amy. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. One last thing I want to ask you: Where can we find all of your stuff on social media? Where can we find your recipes? Can you tell us where we can find you everywhere? So I am on the gram and I'm on Facebook. The recipes are all on Facebook. I used to have a weblog, but once you post something online, it's there forever. So if you do see me, those are my recipes, but I just don't update it anymore. But all the recipes are on my Facebook. I have an album that's called Recipes, and that's where you find it. When I post a recipe on Instagram, if you swipe over, I'll circle the picture so then you could see which picture to look for. For when you go to Facebook. Perfect. I've been using your recipes. I'm telling you, your oh, instant so pot, awesome. your instant pot recipes are amazing. I love it. Thank you so much. I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> Thank you, Nelson. It's been great talking to you. Thank you for having for coming on. And that was our interview with insatiably epicurious Amy Chen Lozano. Monica, she is really into the community, especially the ID in Seattle, Chinatown, as well as amplifying minority-owned businesses. It's fun to see. In fact, after the protests, when they came in through Chinatown, the next day, her and her whole family came down to Chinatown to help clean up as people were boarding up things. And they were cleaning up around Hinihei Park and all the other parks out there around the ID. So she is a very big community member. Absolutely. And I'm always, you know, I, I'm really glad that you all got into some of that because I actually don't know her very well. I know her Instagram feed. And so just hearing some of that was really just new to me. And I do know how much I love looking at her feet uh, and watching her plating techniques. And she's got a decent amount of meat, which, you know, I love. <laughs> Definitely. I think it's really awesome. I know her husband as well. They just love cooking and she loves cooking for her family, making dishes. And I, I don't know. I was like, oh man, I wish I, I wish I quarantined with this family because we're, we're eating so good. <laughs> right. If only we could choose our quarantine households. It should uh, be like choosing our zombie apocalypse team. Yeah, I've I've been thinking really long and hard about who I should be in my who should be in my quarantine team. Right. Or quarant like for the next pandemic. I don't mm -hmm. know if, if Trump ever gets reelected. Like maybe twenty twenty two, we'll have another pandemic that he screwed up again so i have to pick my quarantine safely so. <laughs> yeah on that note get out and vote you guys don't forget to vote ballots are out send yes. it in. don't wait the post office is saying it's going to be problematic send in your ballots send in your ballots yes please do <laughs> not your balmonts send in your ballots yes yeah <laughs> oh my gosh i think the heat's getting to us <laughs> He's getting to you, Monica, because I'm in this air-conditioned room right now, and it's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <I'm> just... <laughs> okay, Monica, we better go before people start hating us, if they haven't hated us already from this episode. We're just being so pretentious right now. <laughs> we? It's just you. No, I'm, no, no. You're guilt by association. Cool. You're part of the show. It's, it's all part of the show, Monica. It's not just me. It's all part of the show. <laughs> hey, looks like we're not seeing each other this week in the for right now on our schedule don't forget you guys july 30th if you want to go eat indoors with your friends that aren't living with you you have until july 30th because we roll back mm -hmm. don't 
Don't forget. Don't make me call call the cops on you guys. Yeah, don't don't make us call the snitch hotline. Don't do that. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna start capturing evidence in Instagram stories. <laughs> All right. All right, everyone. That's our show for tonight. Thank you so much for listening. Be safe out there. And of course, happy eating, Seattle. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for future episodes and leave us a five-star rating and review on whichever platform you're listening on. In the meantime, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Seattle Foodie Podcast and on Twitter at Seattle Food Pod. You can also email us at Seattle Foodie Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we hope you enjoy the Seattle Foodie Podcast. <laughs>